Well, thank you, Pastor Shirley, this morning. I invite you today to look with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And as you can tell, I've picked up a frog between my house and here today. So um, this isn't a new voice that I'm trying out. It's just, uh, yeah, I think one of the squirrels dropped a frog off on the way in, so... We're continuing this series of what concerns Jesus, and we have this in an acrostic of church, C-H-U-R-C-H, and today we hit the U of that acrostic. I'd like you to imagine something. I'd like you to imagine that God looks at you one day and says, I'm going to give you the reins. And he says to you, how are you going to make sure that the world knows that factually Jesus Christ came, that God sent him, and that he actually came to the earth. What's your plan? How are you going to affect that? Well, I wonder, would your first priority be to create a massive ad campaign and maybe the best website you could imagine? Make sure there's a lot of Twitter feed going on in the name of Jesus, all kinds of social media attention. Or maybe you'll create the largest gatherings you could and generate music and entertainment and media that will make Jesus more contemporary, more palatable to the world. Would it be a political strategy that would make sure that we're gaining power in the name of Jesus? Would it be that? Or perhaps you would launch an apologetics conference with the sole aim of providing all of the evidence, and there is much of it, all of the evidence that Jesus came and lived and died and rose from the dead. Or maybe it would be a massive personal evangelism plan with a focus on winning the world to Jesus. What would be your plan? Well, I think it's safe to say that God's plans most often, if not always, follow a different script than what we most expect. His business plans and marketing strategies actually have the appearance of self-sabotaging the spectacular, the acceptable, the predictable, the powerful, the influential. It seems that his plans sabotage all that. Let me just give you some examples. The savior of the world, the savior of the world, born in a backwater village to the least powerful people and parents. A common upbringing in the shadow and oppression of the ruling empire which he did nothing about. Death as a common criminal from the world looking on, humiliated, cast aside. Just seems like God's plans are not what we expect them to be. So we should not be shocked to discover what God's actual plan is for putting the world on notice that Jesus Christ has actually come, that the Savior of the world has actually come. 
If you really want to know what concerns someone, if you really want to know, listen to them pray, whether they're a believer or not. Listen to them pray. Especially at the end of their life, people say the most pressing things at death's doorway. John Wesley, it's reported, said this. These were his final words. Best of all, God is with us. The famous author, O. Henry, when he was dying, they say his last words is, make sure you leave the light on. The prayer of Jesus in John 17. (coughs) Excuse me. Is the prayer of the night before his death. And in this we find him praying for what concerns him. For himself. As he prepares to face the cross. Praying for God to be glorified. He then prays for his disciples, praying they will be in the world, but not of the world. And then he prays for you and me. I want to invite you to meditate on John 17 today. And I'm going to invite Pastor Shirley to come. That's okay. Thank you. That's okay. I'm good. I got plenty. I got pounds in my pockets. I don't need one. I'm going to invite you, in a moment I'm going to have Pastor Shirley come, and my voice was really good an hour ago, but all of a sudden it's left me. So how about we say this is the introduction to next week's sermon, and I'm going to have Pastor Shirley come and just briefly share with you a word and (coughs) lead you through communion. And then I would just invite you to pray that I'll get my voice back by next Sunday. All right? All right. Best surely wants to come. Well... Nobody knew this was going to happen, huh? (laughs) Jeff did tell me that he was not feeling that well, and so he said that uh, if he wasn't able to preach, he was going to call on me. And that was yesterday at 6.30. (laughs) So um, I didn't prepare a, a whole lot to talk about. But what I think that I would like to do is... um, 
We have been in our adult journey group on um, Sunday mornings down there at 9 o'clock. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And there are just so many wonderful things in the Sermon on the Mount. And so I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew 5. And uh, today we talked about two pretty important things, murder and adultery. (laughs) And I'm sure that's just what you wanted to think about today, isn't it? (laughs) But I do want you to turn to that because there are some definitely important things to to talk about regarding this. And um, can you hear me all right? I, I know that I waver in this. You can? Okay, thank you. Uh, Thank you to Ed uh, sitting up there and monitoring the sound. Um, Okay, it's Matthew 5, starting at verse 21 and going through verse 30. And um, it says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, that's just um, an Arabic uh, condemnation. It basically means you are nothing, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to the court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judgment, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you paid the last penny. Then it goes on about adultery. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, I'm sure that all of you have heard those passages of Scripture before. They shouldn't be new to anybody. But in these particular passages of Scripture, Jesus, there's a pattern to them. First, in each section, it starts off with, you have heard that it has been said. And uh, many times to people long ago, and then it's followed by, but I tell you. Now, this is Jesus speaking to us. And the Sermon on the Mount was, was something that he gave to his disciples, the people who love him. So this is for us. He's talking to us. And so he says, you've heard these things. But what he's trying to tell tell us is that what, what the Pharisees and the scribes of the time, and even the rabbis of the time had done, is that they had tried to change the law. 
They knew what the Ten Commandments were. We know what the Ten Commandments are. The Ten Commandments say, as you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, and I apologize for being in King James, but that's how I learned it. So very simple phrases that we all know, but they, the Pharisees, scribes, and the rabbis changed it so that if you did not actually participate in the act of killing somebody with, with malice, like you were planning on doing it, then you had not committed murder. Now, God never intended it to be that way, even when he, went, when he gave the Ten Commandments. He intended that the law was not only in the acts that we do, but in the condition of our heart that made us do those acts. And so the Pharisees and the scribes and the rabbis were trying to get the heart completely out of it. So that if I just, just never actually killed somebody, then I could check off that commandment. That's done. I obeyed that. Well, Jesus is trying to say, no, that's not the way it was. Never intended to be that way. And so he's, cha- he's trying to change what the common look of the commandments was into something that back into something that God really intended it to be. And I apologize to everybody who's in our journey group because we just discussed this. So he was trying to do that with both murder and with adultery because with adultery, it was the same thing. Well, I've never actually been to bed with anybody else's wife, so I'm, I'm okay. Check that one off. I've obeyed that. Well, no. He says that if you've looked at a woman lustfully, then you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. So, guilty. And so he said that with, with each, and actually there are, if you look down further in your Bible, it says he talks about divorce, oaths, an eye for an eye, and um, love for your enemies. So all six of those sections of Matthew 5 are all that you have heard, and this is what I say. He's trying to correct back to what the Old Testament God-given commandment really was. So we have to think about what is the condition of our heart. And God thinks the condition of our heart is pretty important because the consequences of this um, heart condition that's not the way it should be is that if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, you have to leave your gift there and go and make it right with him. Now, he's not just talking about our own hearts. He's talking about people that we have relationships with, too. That we have to make sure that our relationships are right with people. So, he says that if you're offering your gift now, in the Old Testament we know that people offered sacrifices for cleansing of sin because Jesus had not died yet in the Old Testament. It was for cleansing of sin, but that's not the kind of gift that God is talking about. That's not a gift to God. That's a command that you must offer this sacrifice 
Because if you do not, your sins will not be forgiven. This is a gift. This is a gift to God saying, Lord, I love you. I'm offering this to you because I want to. Okay? And so we're going to leave that right there at the, at the, at the altar, and I'm going to go and reconcile myself with somebody else. And he says, do it right then. Don't let it go another minute, because this is important. So he also says, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it with him while you're on the way to court. So don't put this off either, okay? So how important is our relationships with other people according to God? It's pretty important. And we can't put off things that we need to reconcile. God wants us to tend to those things. Because he knows that what happens if we don't clear up these things, our hearts are going to be corrupted. We won't have the relationship with him then. Because our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ is not there. And he wants our relationship with him to be solid. So that's what he's doing. He's saying, get this done now. Don't put it off. And let's just go on to adultery fairly quickly. That um, the consequences, he says, that um, if you've looked on a woman with lust then you've committed adultery with her already. Then he goes on and he says in verse 29 here, if your right hand causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. And he says, if, you, uh, if you, your hand, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than it is for your whole body to go into hell. Now, I frankly do not believe that God approves of mutilation of our bodies. However, this is pretty serious because he does not want us to get into trouble because of one of our body parts. Now, I don't know about you, but I've learned um, quite a long time ago that my eyes can get me into trouble. What I look at causes me to think things that I should not be thinking. And so it is important that I guard my eyes, that I make sure that what I look at is not going to cause me to sin. So I put up a little sentinel in my mind that says to me, okay, you know that if you look at such and such, that is not going to be something that's going to cause you to have good thoughts about anything. So I can look at that. That's not something for me to look at. You may decide some things like that too. I know I was telling everybody in the, uh, in the journey group that um, a long, long time ago, um, the, uh, I'm pretty old, so... Uh, Ian Fleming was writing, and he was still alive, and he was writing the James Bond series. And I liked reading those books. I thought that they were interesting, exciting, full of adventure, all of that kind of stuff. And God told me, just me, not necessarily anybody else, but just me, that I could not read those books anymore 
because they were causing me to think thoughts that I should not be thinking. And so I got rid of those books. It took me a while because I, of course, had a discussion with him about it and said, are you sure you really want me to do this? And he did, so I got rid of those books. And I haven't read another Ian Fleming book nor seen another Ian Fleming movie in all of that time. And I'm not saying anybody, God's spoken to anybody else. He may not have. But he certainly spoke to me. And I have to do what he says. So I don't read those books anymore. And so I made a decision. I acted on something God had told me that I was doing that I could not do anymore because it was causing a sinful attitude in my heart. So that's what he's saying here in this thing. And, and I'm telling you that my eyes get me into more trouble than, than anything else about myself. I love to read. I read all kinds of things. But there are certain things that I cannot read because they cause me to think sinful thoughts. So I'm encouraging all of you and the same thing with your hands. There are certain things that we cannot do because if we do them, then we are allowing Satan to get a stronghold in our hearts. And we do not want to do that, not because we love God and we want our hearts to be pure. So, and as Pastor Larry said in our, um, in our journey group, that it is harder to make a decision to do something that is causing you to do something about something that's causing you to sin. It is harder to do something about it than it is to cut off your hand or to gouge out your eye. And it is. Because if you do it once, you have to keep that up. You have to make that decision again and again and again until it becomes no longer a decision. It's not a battle anymore. You've won. So I would just like to encourage you that, number one, relationships are incredibly important to God. He loves each one of us. He wants us to love him, but he wants us to love each other too. And he does not want anything to get in the way of our relationships. So if there is something there that needs to be changed, needs to be reconciled, then please do it. It's important. It's urgent. We never know what can happen. Okay? People can die. And we never reconcile that. People can move way across the country, and we lose touch with them. It's important to do it now. And also, it's important that we keep that relationship with God solid, but also with other people, and that we make decisions about guarding our hearts against possible sin. So, let us go ahead and pray. Father, we so thank you. We so love you. And we want our hearts to be pure before you, Lord. Please reveal to us anything that we need to, to reconcile with a, a brother or sister, that we need to um, get straight with you. And let us, Lord, give us the strength and the foresight and the insight to be able to tell if there's something, Father, 
that we need to set up a guard against in our lives. Almost like a sentinel. Like if we were in the military, we'd set up a sentinel, guard our hearts. Let us know when danger is coming, when a possibility of sin is coming. Father, I just thank you that you are God and that you love us. And that whatever trespasses we've had, whatever sins that we've had, we can say, Lord, please forgive me. Thank you for your sacrifice of Jesus that made that possible. Lord, how we love you. And we're going to celebrate that sacrifice in a minute, Lord. But thank you, Lord, for who you are in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.